I have to tell you this story. You might find it a bit humorous, but I, I think it connects with the reading from the Gospel according to St. Luke this morning. And it has to do with church. Church is an interesting place sometimes. Not always, but it's interesting sometimes. So here's this young woman who finds herself in a dilemma. So she makes an appointment with her pastor. And when she sat down with him, uh, she was content to tell him about a particular sin that was besetting her, that she had no control over. Okay? You ever been in those places, in that kind of situation? Thank God you're not in that kind of situation because here's the situation that I'm going to share with you. So she starts out. She says, Pastor, I have become aware of a sin in my life which I cannot control. Every time I'm at church, I begin to look around. I look around at all the other women, and I come to the realization that I am the prettiest woman in the congregation. She's telling the pastor this, you know. I have come to the realization that I am the prettiest one in the whole congregation. None of the others can compare to my beauty. I, I, I think I would have a hard time hearing that confession. Let's hold it there for a while. In the gospel pericope for this weekend, the Pharisee had done good for himself, wouldn't you say? He was deeply devoted to his religion. I, I read the text and I get the impression that this is a model believer because he wore his piety like a badge of honor. He kept the commandments. He fasted and gave the tithe. He did not commit adultery. He did not steal. He was genuinely a good man, morally upright and superior to the tax collector who worked for the occupying Roman regime. But that was his problem, as noted in the content of his prayer. So, I get this model believer image in my head, and then I fall back on the image of a goody two-shoes, in that he's full of pride. And I have to ask myself, what good is it if you make others feel inadequate by comparison? People will think that you do not need God even though you might not say it. Or they will think that you use God to justify 
your moral superiority. This is a case where being comes from doing. And if you didn't observe it, both the Pharisee and the tax collector are religious people. Being religiously upright felt good in comparison to the tax collector who was not doing what the law required of him. The Pharisee could easily have become immoral like the tax collector, but he chose a different path. So, he has reason to be thankful. Thankful that by keeping God's law, he demonstrates commitment to right living, or we might say righteousness. But his gratitude meant nothing to God when he starts boasting and comparing himself to the tax collector. Mind you, God wants us to live holy lives. But holiness is not about moral superiority. The Pharisee could be me. In fact, the Pharisee could be any of us when we judge the neighbor as being worthless, when we do not see anything good in the other, and when we think it impossible that God could change the neighbor's life. By such posturing, our religion is understood to be the dead faith of the living. Religion becomes useless when it ceases to be life-giving. It is useless when it is inhospitable. It is useless when it is inward-looking. Luther, in the 16th century, said, the worst sin really is when we are turned in on ourselves. It is useless when we set up camps, the us camp and the them camp. We should not say we are not like other people. What makes us different? Is it not God's extravagant mercy and not what we have done? So, it is useless to brag that we are morally superior. Our neighbor already knows who we are. They see and judge us by our actions. They know that we serve God but they also know that we are not perfect, although sometimes we act as though we are God. Now back to the story. With all of that said, i got to get back to this story because I know you want to hear how, it, how the pastor responds. Remember she told the pastor that she is the prettiest in his flock. 
And she then asked the pastor, what can I do about this sin? Now, she sets herself up, I believe. What can I do about this sin? And the pastor replied, Mary, it is not a sin. You're making a mistake. I don't know if Mary had, uh, as we would say, uh, in my part of the world where I come from, whether she had um, sweet eyes. It's a description of, uh, you know, when you have crossed eyes. But the past uh, was very gentle. Mary, it's not a sin. It's a mistake. So the question is, why are we here? Like the Pharisee and the tax collector and the young woman, we come here to worship. This is a sacred place for us. This is a safe place for us. We come here not because of what we have, but because of what we need. We need God in our lives. We need to trust God and not in ourselves. We come here not to compare ourselves with others or look upon other in judgment, another in judgment. We come to acknowledge our brokenness and our need for God's mercy. So we hear in this pericope today, we hear Jesus. We hear this word from Christ today, and we receive it in our hearts by faith. We have no claim on God, but God claims us through the mercy of Jesus Christ. And God sends us into the world as children who are redeemed by Christ, children who are loved and justified by Christ. So we go. We go from here as humble servants of the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit that God gives so generously to us that we might show mercy to all people just as Christ has shown mercy to us. Let us go then, knowing that we are not better than the other, but we are better together in Christ. Amen.